better dive in right now. I already got him shouting me down. I already got him. I love it. I love it. Where's mine? You're here. So good to see you. Okay. Already losing him. Already losing them. Here we are. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 is like the classic Christmas passage. In fact, I think most of the Christmas cards that we receive have Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And unto us a child is born, unto us a Savior is given, and the new government will be placed on his shoulders, and he should be called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, right? But that whole narrative of Isaiah chapter 9 really begins in Isaiah chapter 7. Guys, I am going to breeze past all of the history that I gave up to Isaiah 7, starting in verses 13 and 14, okay? Um, Here's how the narrative starts. There's an evil king named Ahaz. He's the king of Judah. And Syria and Israel team up, and they're going to destroy destroy Judah. And they're going to destroy King Ahaz. So King Ahaz goes to Assyria, and he, become, he becomes allies with Assyria. And he says, okay, look, they're going to destroy me. Will you become my ally? God comes to King Ahaz through Isaiah the prophet. And he says, listen, don't make a treaty with Assyria. Trust the Lord your God. That's Isaiah 7, 5 through 8. He says, if you will just stand firm in me and you will trust me, everything will be okay. Ahaz, instead of trusting God, decided to do a treaty with Assyria. So he goes into this treaty with Assyria. And as he is, God comes to him through the prophet Isaiah again. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign, and if you will just catch this sign, everything's going to be okay. In other words, don't make the peace treaty with Assyria. Just catch the sign. Here it is in Isaiah 7, 13 through 14. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah comes on behalf of the Lord and says, it's enough to exhaust man's patience, but are you really going to tick God off as well? Just look for a sign, and if you see the sign, everything is going to be okay. Ahaz, instead of waiting for the sign, signs the treaty with Assyria. He goes into a peace agreement with Assyria. Judah and Assyria team up. They take out Syria and Israel. They crush them. Then Assyria turns their backs on Judah, decimates Judah. So everybody gets destroyed, right? And yet again, Isaiah comes, and he says, Oh, Emmanuel which is God with us, if you would have just listened to the sign, if you would have just paid attention to the sign, if you would just see what is right in front of you, which is a child being born that will be called God with us, conceived by the virgin, if you would just pay attention to the sign. You know, I... um, I have a friend who was a football coach at the university, uh, at Kansas State University. They're, they're okay, 
right? Uh, and he played for them, and then he became a coach for them. And as he was coaching, he was telling me about, we'll call him Leroy, it's not his name, you'd probably recognize his name. Uh, there was a player that he was coaching, he was the linebacker's coach, and this guy was a linebacker, and he was one of the best linebackers in the history of the school. He said he was just an unbelievable athlete, he was incredibly talented, and he couldn't spell his own name. Said so they, they did everything to keep Leroy eligible. He's like, man, we sent tutors with him to class. We had tutoring in the locker room. We would, I mean, we did everything we could to keep Leroy eligible, and it was just a battle. He said, and then all of a sudden, the administration came to us, and they said, Leroy is not allowed to register for classes next semester. And the coaches were like, no, 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 we have to have Leroy. What, what's going on? And they said, Leroy has over 100 parking tickets. You're like, what? Over a hundred? Like, how do you do that? There's like 90 days of school that's happened. How do you, how do you in 90 days get over a hundred parking tickets at 30 bucks a pop? That's a hefty bill. So he's like, how on earth did this happen? And they're like, you're gonna have to ask Leroy. So my friend, he, he went into the training room. He said, Leroy was in the training room. He's getting his ankle state. And he said, Leroy, how do you have 100 parking tickets right now? And Leroy said, coach, coach. He said, it's the men in the chair. He said, what? He said, coach, it's the men in the chair. He said, Leroy, what do you mean? He said, coach, how do you park in the blue men in the chair? And he said, at this point, he realized he was talking about handicapped parking. He, was, he said, he literally, he's like, he's saying man in the chair. And he's, he's, he's literally asking, he's like, I recognized in that moment that this grown man with all the gifts and the talents in the world had no clue what this sign was. Had no idea what the man in the chair meant, right? Do you know you can have every gift and every talent in the world, but if you miss the sign, you won't know what's up in life? You can have every gift, you can have every talent, you can be the strongest, the fastest, the best, but if you can't see the sign, what is God continually saying to the nation of Judah? Can you see me? I have a sign for you, and if you will look at this sign, here's what will happen. Now we're at Isaiah 9, 1 through 6. How am I doing? 12 minutes left. <laughs> Nevertheless, here's your Christmas passage. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. This is the sign again. 
The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The rest of the book of Isaiah, okay? Um, We can just preach the whole book of Isaiah right now in 13 minutes, right? You start with King Ahaz. You start with a man who will not listen to the sign. He will not look for the sign. He will not pay attention to the sign. Isaiah chapter nine, God comes and God says, though you will be destroyed, the darkness will be gone, joy will be restored, and you will experience freedom. The rest of the book of Isaiah is the prophetic fulfillment and the pointing towards those three things happening, towards a light coming to the darkness, towards a, uh, what's our second one? A rejoicing coming towards the brokenness, and third, a freedom coming to those who are oppressed. So tonight we have three points. Number one is light. Isaiah says, if you will pay attention to the sign of Christmas, you will experience light. If you pay attention to the sign of what Christmas actually is, you'll experience light. Isaiah 9 verse 2, he said, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The promise of Christmas is this, that there is a light in the despair. There is a light in the depression. There's a light in the desolation. Isaiah prophesies later in Isaiah 42, 16, he says, I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. After the prophecy of Christ, Isaiah 60 verse 1, Isaiah says, arise Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord will rise to shine on you. John 1 verse 15, here's Jesus's fulfillment. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Isaiah says there's a light everyone can see. John is saying there's a light that darkness cannot extinguish. I don't know about you, but my children, okay, they can't, parents, where are you at? Parents, let me see you. All all our parents love you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Relate with me on this one, right? My children, my kids can fall asleep in the car with the radio blaring, one kid screaming, Anna ordering fast food, another one playing a Nintendo Switch. I'm swerving and hitting speed bumps and everything else, and they're bouncing around, and they can fall asleep, and they just stay asleep the whole time, right? And then... At five o'clock in the morning when I get up out of bed, the creak of the floor three doors down wakes them up. I'm like, you sleep through a car ride in the middle of a thunderstorm with the radio playing, your brother screaming, and me swerving all over the road. And the moment I scream, you wake up? How do they do that? Like, how do they do that? It drives me crazy. So for me, I get up at five o'clock in the morning. I have to have some time by myself with the Lord. The problem is, I don't know how, but my kids hear me every time. So my routine in the morning is like this, right? I wake up and I I twist that doorknob and you know how you you do it real quiet and you close the door and you, you get right at the threshold and then close. And then I'm 
I'm walking around the downstairs. I even have my coffee pot on a timer so that it's ready so it doesn't wake them up. And I'm, I'm getting coffee and I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff in quiet. And, and one day I was doing that and uh, my, my son was given these, these Minecraft toys. Do you see these, any Minecrafters in the room? Where are you, where are you kids at? Where are you Minecrafters at? My, my son was given these Minecraft toys. These are really cool except for the fact that they're made of metal. You hear that? Where am I at? You hear that? Yeah. These metal, metal toys, right? Parents, you know where I'm headed with this. You know where I'm headed, because they don't pick up after themselves. In fact, here's what I think they did. I think they said, Dad's going to try and be quiet in the morning. <laughs> right? So here I am, and I'm sneaking around, and I'm trying to be quiet, and I'm like, I just don't want to shoot, maybe? Darn no, those aren't what I said. But I, it was in my head, right? I didn't want to wake him up. It was in my head. I didn't say it out loud. You get points for that when you don't, when you cuss in your head and not out loud. You get points for that one, right? It was in my head. All three of them were in my head. Not one of But I hit them and I'm like, mm, and then I, I, I literally stumble, bump into this kitchen that we have in the middle of our living room, which I don't know why, and it's got metal pans on it. The metal pans fall off, cling on the ground, and what do I hear at 5 a.m.? Those little stomps running downstairs. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? Can I have a coffee too? You want to hang out? You want to play, you want to play video games? You want to play Switch right now, right? And I'm like, Ugh. So now my, my morning routine starts with this. I get up, cell phone flashlight. Anybody? I know you do. We've talked about this cell phone flashlight and I have this light and what do I do? I start looking at every step in my path, right? I'm scanning the floor, I'm scanning the sky. You can't trust these kids, right? If there's anything hanging or anything swinging at me, if it's like Indiana Jones and I'm looking for like anything that may get in my way and I have to have a light to do it. This is what Isaiah is saying. He's saying, listen, Ahaz, you are falling down a terrible path and there is a sign that is coming to you. And if you will trust this sign, you will see. Your eyes will be illuminated. What did John say about Jesus? That he is the light of the world and darkness cannot extinguish it. Here is what we should be looking for at Christmas. It's not the best sale, it's the light. What is the light that is leading my path? What is informing my spirit? What is leading me into my future? What am I trusting in and putting all of my trust in? What is guiding and leading me? It's the message of Christmas that there is a light. Why do we take these things and we'll do it in a moment. We hold up these lights because he is the light of the world. And because he is the light of the world, he came to be among us. He left us. And what did he leave here on earth? The light. He says, you are not a city that is covered up. You should be a city on a hill sharing the light. The first thing we see with Christmas is light. The second thing is this. Three minutes. Here we go. Rejoice. Isaiah 9 verse 3. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you 
and as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Listen to this, Isaiah 35, 10. Later on, Isaiah fulfills through prophetic voice. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Luke 2.10, here's Jesus' fulfillment. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I will bring you good news that will bring you all great joy. You know what's ironic about all three of those passages? Joy was promised in a circumstance that was a disaster. The nation of Israel was promised joy right after they had been destroyed by Assyria. Literally right afterwards. They spend the rest all the way up to about Isaiah 58 in captivity, in Babylonian captivity, which later becomes Assyrian captivity, and their lives are miserable. Yet what does he say? There is a joy. What was up with the Jews under Roman rule at the time of Jesus? And yet he comes and he says, don't be afraid. I have news that will bring you great joy. In World War II, the Ten Boom family was arrested for hiding Jews in their home, and they were taken to concentration camps. Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy bounced from concentration camp to concentration camp until they landed in a camp called Ravensbrück, which was the it was the worst concentration camp they had been in. The only thing they were allowed to do in Ravensbrück that they weren't allowed to do at other camps was read their Bible and pray. So here is Corey Tinboom, and she's reading her Bible. I mean, this place, there was no food, there was no restrooms, there was no hygiene. It was just absolutely miserable for Corey and her sister Betsy. And their, their bedrooms had so many fleas that they couldn't sleep, so they were up all night. And yet, Corey Tinboom is reading her Bible, and she later writes about this in her journals, which have been published into a biography about her. She writes that she's reading through her Bible, and she reads, or she reads uh, first of Thessalonians 5, 16, which says, give thanks always. And she looked at her sister, Betsy, and she said, we need to give thanks right now. And Betsy said, for what? The fleas? Do you want to be thankful for the fleas, Corey? And Corey said, yes, even the fleas. And she writes in her journal, thank you, God, for the fleas. Thank you for the fleas. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the difficulty. Later on, they found out the reason they were able to have Bible study and prayer inside of this concentration camp is because the fleas were so bad, the soldiers wouldn't go near it. The soldiers wanted nothing to do with it. And it was this joy that they found in their spirit in the midst of circumstance. You realize God can give you joy beyond your circumstance. God can give you joy beyond whatever you're living through or whatever you're going through. And he can take that joy and he can cultivate a spirit of gratitude where you may even thank him for things that don't make sense. You may thank him for challenges. You may thank him for difficulty. You may thank him that you get to walk through these times of suffering because those may be the times that he is using to bring you closer to him. The second thing we see is joy. The third is this, freedom. We'll land right here. Isaiah 9, 4 through 5. 
For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Look at Isaiah 61 verse 1. This is Isaiah prophesying about when Jesus comes, this is what will happen. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Jesus in Luke chapter 4 fulfills that literally by quoting it. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Uh, I, I grew up in a time where PE class was like real, you know, it was like real PE. I mean, some of you, anyone late 30s, early 40s, you can relate with this. It was before the snowflakes took it over and now it's like, you know, walk laps and sit in the lotus position for 20 minutes and, and that's PE. No, 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 no. When I was in PE, every Friday was dodgeball every single Friday and nobody got to sit out. The girls would be like, well, I didn't bring clothes. I can't dress out. Coach was like, too bad. You better duck quick, right? Every Friday's dodgeball. And so, and when we played dodgeball, we, we didn't play with those, those foam balls, right? You know, those like foam soft ones. We played with volleyballs. Coach was like, hey, someone go to the girls' locker room and get them volleyballs. We need to have some fun in here. We're like, yeah, that's PE, right? And so we've got these volleyballs, they're aired up real good and everybody's playing and we would go to play dodgeball and as we got ready to play dodgeball, we would always ask this question. We'd say, coach, is it regular or jailbreak? Is it regular dodgeball or jailbreak? And here was the difference. Regular dodgeball was if you got hit, you were out. You just, it was over, you had to sit out on the sides until everyone was limited on your team. Jailbreak was if you threw the volleyball across to the opposing team's backboard and you hit the backboard, everyone on your team got to come in. So we would be playing and there would be one or two people left. And you know, I mean, guess who was the last one left? Just guess, just guess. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like, you know, I was, I was there. And so um, I'm there, I'm the last one left and everyone, and, and it is like this moment where it's just, they should make movies of this kind of stuff. I'm yelling at my friend Brenton. I'm like, hey, dude, cover me. And Brenton's throwing balls and I'm running and I pivot and zip one and it's headed right for the backboard and it clangs off there. And Coach Brockus screams, jailbreak! And the whole team comes running back on. I thought that would be good with the kids, but I don't think they're with me anymore. I thought the kids would jump in. It was the snowflake comment. I lost them already. So here's where I was going to land it. You, you, you realize with God, it's not one and you're out, but there's opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He's the God of second chances. He's speaking to Israel and he's saying, I have freedom for you. And he's saying, I have freedom for you when you're in captivity. I have freedom for you when you feel like you can't get free. 
I have freedom for you when you feel like the walls are caving in. I have freedom for you when you feel like you have nowhere to go if you will just see the light that I have.